0: You're listening to the message podcast of High Ridge Church Longview, where our vision is to help you know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and ultimately make a difference. We are so glad that you're here, and we pray that this message impacts your life as you apply the spiritual truths from God's Word in practical ways. Let's listen in.
1: Welcome to church. I'm so glad that you're here. Let's welcome in all of our friends watching online. Those that are at home, hey, we love you. Welcome. We appreciate you tuning in today. Do us a favor. Make sure you interact with the people that are there moderating, and they'd love to chat with you. If you really like what you're hearing, make sure you click the share icon and let people know about the message that you're watching. Share the love of Jesus with people. It's a good thing. We're glad that you're here. Um, Let me just say, as we turn in our Bibles to Genesis chapter three, that I am so incredibly proud of you. We have never seen more people press into the Lord with fasting and prayer this week. I've never seen as many people since I've been at this church, so many people pressing in for a word from God. I am incredibly encouraged by that. Can you imagine what would happen if more people were seeking after the presence of the Lord? I believe the things that are going to happen this year are fantastic because you're seeking the Lord first. There's, there's, There's no bad things that can happen by you seeking the Lord. It's all good. It's all good. And so uh, on on Wednesday night, let me just share this with you. Uh, We broke the record for the most amount of people we have ever had on this campus. And that's awesome since, hey, we didn't bring in celebrity. We didn't give away a car. We're not giving away $10,000. We just had Jesus. And when you have people coming just to interact with the Lord, that's a cool thing. And so I am incredibly proud of you. I believe what, what is going to happen this year is nothing short of amazing because your willingness to press in and to hear from the Lord, good for you. Good for you. And so um, Genesis chapter 3 is where we're going to get started. Now, last week I made a huge mistake. I want to apologize because the Lord has corrected me on this. Uh, Last week I talked about how much I hate cats. (laughs) And now there is a neighborhood cat that will not leave my house. (laughs) Pray for your boy. So, this week I'm gonna talk about how much I hate money. <laughs> so, so, hold on to your checkbook. <laughs> your checkbook. Oh, uh, cats, come on. Some of y'all need to get saved. No. As we're going to Genesis chapter three, I wanna start a new series. And if the Lord uh, asks us to continue, I think over the next few weeks, we're gonna spend some time in Genesis chapter three in a series called In the Tension. Somebody say, In the Tension. I want you to notice that if you're, uh, if you're familiar with the Bible, you'll notice the Bible opens up and ends with the story of a creation. The Bible starts in Genesis with the Lord creating the heavens and the earth, and the Bible ends in, in Revelation 22, and it talks about God saying, I will create a new heaven and a new earth. There's creation at the beginning, there's creation at the end, and then everything in the middle is tension. Tension. Everything in the middle is a story of us, God's perfect plans, his perfect creation, and our amazing ability to screw it up with our disobedience. We have a pattern that has developed over thousands of years of taking what God has made so perfect and corrupting it. There's a reason why God has to send his son to save us from ourselves. We create tension. And today I want to talk about the tension between my will and thy will. Thy will being God's will, my will being what I want. I oftentimes believe that what I want is better than what God wants for me. Now, I would never preach that, but I believe it and I live by it, that I know better. The things that I think are better than what God thinks. You wouldn't say that, but you live that way, and so do I. I have a remarkable track record of taking amazing things that God has spoken to me and screwing them up with my disobedience. It's me, hi, I'm the problem, it's me. I get it. God's perfect, and I ain't, and you aren't either. And so from the very beginning of time, we recognize man's remarkable ability to screw up the great things of God. We are the Yoko Ono in this situation. (laughs) It's true, we mess it up. Now I don't want to be too hard on Adam and Eve. They screwed up, you know, everything for all of us. But let, me, let let me just tell you, if if there was a perfect track record of people doing things perfectly until they got to me, I'd have run it for all of us. I, I would have. I get it. It's me. Hi, I'm one. I'm the problem. It, I would have screwed up. Let's be honest. So would you. You would have. We're not perfect. We need Jesus. We needed a Savior. We needed his perfect blood to pay the price for our imperfections, for our sins. We needed Christ. And so in Genesis chapter three, I want you to see this. Uh, I want you to see this from the very beginning. I want you to see what happens when God gives a word, when God creates perfection, and when man gets their hands on it and what we do with it. And hopefully you can recognize yourself and recognize our tendency and our patterns and make 2023 the year where you break out of those patterns. It doesn't have to be that way. There's a better way. Genesis 3, I want to read through these next 13 verses. We're going to spend the next few weeks just looking over these 13 verses. They're important. They're good for you. It's going to help you. It says this. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of of the garden, you must not touch it or you'll die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he's walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. The Lord God called to the man and said, where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? I want you to recognize the awkward tension between man and his creator in this moment. There was no tension beforehand, then we have disobedience, we have sin, we have devaluing the voice of the Lord and what God had commanded, and now there is tension between what God wanted for us and what we want for ourselves. We still do this constantly. We create tension between us and the Lord with our disobedience. God said, have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? I love when God asks rhetorical questions. You ever had a kid that's like that, your face covered in powdered sugar, and you're like, did you touch those powdered donuts? <laughs> no, I, I, I don't know who would do that. Like, well, you look like... <laughs> you look like a cocaine smuggler, is what you look like. <laughs> the powdered sugar all around your face. You look like Pablo Escobar right here. What's wrong with you? Like, don't know what you're talking about. But, Here's God asking the rhetorical question. Did you do exactly what I told you not to do? Well, you know, uh, people make choices, God. And you, you, you know how you made me. I love this moment. Did you eat from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, it's the woman's fault. The woman that you gave me, she's broken. I, I didn't know. The woman that you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree And I ate it. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you've done? The woman said, the snake was talking. The serpent deceived me and I ate. It's not my fault. It's the snake's fault. It's not my fault. It's her fault. It's not my fault. I want you to recognize the tension that happens when God gives perfection and man screws it up. The tension between us and the Lord. And for many of us pressing in this past week, fasting and praying, hearing and receiving from God, there's some powerful things that begin to happen. And if, if you weren't a part of that, let me just tell you, you can start today. You can absolutely start today. It doesn't have to be January the 1st where you start fasting and praying and seeking the Lord. You can do that every day, any day. It's good for you. Only difference is you're going to be a little bit more lonely. The rest of us already got there. (laughs) I'm just saying, God spoke a lot of amazing things. So what happens when God gives a word and, and, and we're inspired? What happens when we get that word and we're motivated? Those are good things. I believe that. You need some inspiration. You need some motivation. But let me say it this way. Inspiration is necessary to begin. Discipline is necessary to finish. And my heart, my mandate is to push you in the area of discipline. As far as I can push you this year, you need Discipline. God's ways are better than your ways. His decisions, his thoughts are better than your decisions and your thoughts. And we need discipline to carry out and do what God has called us to do. You're going to need discipline. We have a crazy track record of screwing things up without discipline. I don't want you to just hear a word from God. That's great. God spoke to me. God gave me some direction for my year. And then five minutes from now, it's like, I need direction for my year. I wish God would speak. I wish God would say something. He's speaking. He says, my sheep hear my voice. We hear him. He's here. The question is, do we need more than just a little bit of inspiration and motivation? We need discipline in order to become doers of the word. I want to talk today about uh, relieving the tension between my will and thy will, relieving the tension between what God wants and what I want. How do we relieve that tension? How do we get to a place where we're hearing the word that God has spoken to us and we're putting it into practice in our lives? How do we do that? And so I want to give you three things that I think are really important. If you're receiving words from the Lord, if God's been speaking to you, if you have a word for your year, if you're, if you're listening to God and you're needing some direction from the Lord, once you get that, what do you do with it? What do you do? Once again, I want to remind you, we have a crazy track record of letting those moments pass us by, and it creates tension between you and the Lord, because God speaks. What are you doing with it? I want to remind you that if, you, if you've read the Bible, the Old Testament is full of stories that start out with this. And that day, the word of the Lord was rare. God's speaking. He is here. He's speaking to people. Value that. Value it. God doesn't just speak to anybody and everybody. He speaks to his children and those that are willing to listen. So understand that, that the power that comes when we're obedient to the word of God and when we don't have the tension between what he's saying and what we're doing. You need this. You need it. So here's three things that will help you. When you've received a word from God, how to live by that word. Here's the first thing I want to share with you. Number one, you have to protect the word. Protect it. It's important. It matters. When God gives you direction, when God gives you a word, you have to protect the word. Now, for those of you that have had the privilege of of birthing a child, you know that the moment that you see your child, there there are areas of your heart that you didn't realize weren't open until that moment. You remember that? You remember seeing your, your kids for the first time, and those of you that haven't gotten there yet or, or may not have experienced that, let me just tell you, it's a, it's a profound moment because you realize that I, I thought I could love until I, until I see this, this little kid, and it looks like an old man version of me. <laughs> I remember being a part of that process and seeing this baby as they hand, hand me my son 22 years ago, crazy, 23 now, and I'm, I'm looking at this, this little kid and thinking, I I'm just a kid myself. Yeah. I, this seems like a lot of responsibility. I don't know if there needs to be an adult here. <laughs> know that feeling, anybody? Like, I, I, I don't know if I can handle this. And then the, it, it, was, it was never more apparent to in my insecurities as the drive home from the hospital. And so we're from the, from the Metroplex. We were in Dallas and Fort Worth. And let me just tell you, Dallas and Fort Worth morning traffic, it, it ain't like Longview. Oh. Now, you might honk at somebody once a year, but honking is a form of communication in the Metroplex. It's, it's, hey, how you doing? Good morning. How you doing? Coming over right here. Going too slow. Going too fast. Here I It's just part of life. I once heard a communicator. She was a great communicator. She was blind, and she said, I finally found the only city that I can drive in, and nobody would know. (laughs) And I remember driving home with my son in this this baby carriage that I wasn't even sure was strapped in right. Like, I don't know how to do this stuff. There was no YouTube back in the day. Like, how do you know how to put this? How do you know that it's working? Is this seatbelt approved? Is this the right carriage to put this kid in? Is is he strapped in? I don't know. And I'm so freaked out. I've got that white knuckle grip on the steering wheel as I'm driving. home. Like, "Uh," And then people would whip around you and honk. And you're like, ah! Freaking out because there's something precious in the car with me remember wanting to just pull over to the shoulder of the road and put my hazards on and just drive along at a a snail's pace because I've got something precious here. It's like you're carrying a time bomb, a ticking time bomb. You're like, don't touch it. Be careful. It's a baby, and I'm responsible for it. How much more so God's word? How much more so the word of God? Should we treat it as something like, this is precious to me. I live my life based on this. I recognize God spoke to me. It matters. It has great value. And I want you to recognize the pattern, the pattern of Satan and what he does immediately to Eve in the garden. He gets her to devalue the word of the Lord by watering it down. Did God really say that? That's not what he meant. It, oh, this is a good thing for you. God wants you to experience this because you'll know more and you'll, you'll be like him. You won't have to ask him questions. You'll, you'll know. You'll understand. Did God really say? Did God really say that? And he gets her to question the word of God. He gets her to ask herself things like, would, would God really tell you no? You ever heard that one? You come across a situation like, no, this is a good thing. Why? Because you want it to be a good thing. Because it seems exciting. God would want you to be excited. This seems like God because I'm happy. This seems like God because I'm excited. Because it feels good. Would God, God wants this for you. It's desirable. And he gets you to question and devalue the word of God. Let me tell you this. The enemy comes to steal and kill and destroy the words that God has planted inside of you. He comes in to take the direction out of your life. So you're drifting around aimlessly and you're 60 and 70 and 80 years old, still wondering, God, what have you called me to do? Some point I guess I'll do something that matters in my life. You can know that, my friend. You don't have to live life that way. You have to protect The word I love what David said. He said in Psalm 118, He says, Lord, I've hidden your word in my heart. Why that I might not sin against you? You hide His word where in your heart. That means you memorize it, that means you keep it handy, it means it becomes part of your life. God is speaking, you can count on what He said. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. God's word is valuable. And it has to find good soil before it becomes what it can be in your life. We see this pattern uh, uh, across, across Christianity of God speaking, God giving direction, God, God pouring out His heart, and Christians like, "Hey, that was cool. What else you got to say?" Like, "Do what I said. Take a step of faith." I want to give you some just practical ways of valuing and protecting the Word of God. Here's the first thing, perhaps the most important: write it down. Write it down. Keep it in a place where you can remember it. Refer back to it. Keep it as something that helps to bring you faith and encouragement and wisdom as you're walking through your daily decisions. Write it down. Lord, you said this. This seems like this applies to this situation. I'm gonna step out and try it this way. Write it down and persist in it. Persist in it. We have a statement that says persistence breaks resistance. It'll help you. Use the word He's given you, here's another thing, be accountable to it. One of the things that I've learned about my own life is that if I don't tell somebody what I'm working on and have someone that can hold me accountable to what I say, I will lie to myself. I'm not gonna hold myself accountable. I need somebody else to do it. Because I was like, you know, I meant to start that next week. Like, I'm gonna lose 20 pounds this year. You know how many years I've said that? Like, I am, I am 30 pounds away from getting there. You take some accountability. People are like, you can't eat that powdered donut there, Scarface. (laughs) So you have no idea what that is. That's okay. You don't need to know. You need some accountability. This is why we want you to get in a group. You are not a good source of accountability to yourself. You need people. People, look at me, people need you. And we can do this for each other. Iron sharpening iron keeping ourselves accountable. This is why you have someone that's trusted with you say, hey, I feel like the Lord has led me to do this. Please, if you see anything in my life that doesn't align with this word, can you point that out to me? Because you're my friend and I trust you. I need your accountability. And I'll say this, that we see this through the story of creation. Without accountability, you end up with blame. You're gonna blame somebody else. Might as well get some accountability. What does Adam say? It's it's her fault. What does she say? It's the snake's fault. Well, snakes say, like, no, somebody else had told me to tell them that. I don't. It's always somebody else's fault when there's no accountability. Where's Adam in this process? We need people to remind us wait a minute. No, no, no. God said no. Period. The end. We write it down. We're accountable to the word. Why? Because we have to protect it. So we won't sin against the Lord. We won't devalue and we won't create tension when God said, do it. And we're like, yeah, but I'm not sure if I want to do that. Trust that your father is good and has good things for your life. His ways are better. His thoughts are higher. He knows what he's doing. and When he speaks, value his voice. We make plans. Number three, make plans according to the word that you heard. Order your life based upon what God told you. Here's a great scripture in James one twenty two. It says, you are to be doers of the word, not hearers only. If you just hear the word of God and celebrate that, yeah, God spoke to me. I heard a word from the Lord. And you don't do anything with it. James says, you're lying to yourself. You're lying to yourself. You're deceiving yourself. Hearing God's word and doing it are two different things. One takes faith. One takes action. You've pressed in. You've heard from the Lord. What are you going to do with it? How is it going to affect your life? How are you going to reorder your steps? How does it affect Monday? Let it order your steps. So here's the second thing I want to share with you. Number one, protect the word that God has given you. Here's the second thing, and this is important. Enjoy the permissions. Enjoy the permissions. I want you to see how the enemy got Eve to focus on the one thing that God said don't do. The one thing. And when we hyper-focus ourselves on the one thing that God says no to, man, you will drift right towards it. There's a constant gravitational pull towards disobedience. But if we enjoy the permissions, we can look around and say, look at all God allows me to do. Look at the many blessings and the things that he's allowing me to walk into. When I, I'll say this. If you pursue what is right, what is wrong won't tempt you. And we've seen this happen in people's lives when they're giving up a habit and they're giving up a stronghold or they're walking free from an addiction and they just, they're hyper-focused on just not doing that addiction. They're like, you know, if God has delivered them from alcohol and from being an alcoholic, they're just like, don't drink, don't drink, don't drink, don't drink, can't drink, can't drink. A drink would taste good, I drink. (laughs) We're hyper focused on what we can't do instead of enjoying the permissions. Enjoy the permission. Enjoy the things that God has allowed you to do. They're good for you. You'll find life there. Pursue what is right and what is wrong won't tempt you. I love the word in 1 John 5. It says, in fact, this is love for God to keep his commands. And look at the second part. And his commands are not burdensome. What he's telling you to do, that's not a huge burden on you. It's a burden off of you. When God says no, you're like, cool. You ever had one of those strong-willed kids? Some of you are like, no, absolutely not. Because you were the strong-willed kid. And you can show them all the way, you know, take them over to someone's house. You're like, hey, just don't touch this. This is grandpa's urn. You know, Grandpa, grandpa's urn, just don't touch that. But everything else you can play with. And they're like, wait, this one? This urn right here? This, this, you don't want me to touch this? You don't want me to sh- you know, shake? Is this what you're saying? <laughs> this is what we do when God says, hey, I don't want you to go in there. You're like, wait, here? This this, this right here? I, I shouldn't touch that? Well, why? Is it hot? It's not hot. You, did, you didn't tell me. It, oh, it's not hot. Yeah it feels fine. You could touch it. And we'll play these games with ourselves when God says no, instead of enjoying what God says yes to. The enemy hyper focuses us on what we can't have and we stop seeing what we can. Enjoy the permissions. In John 10, Jesus himself says, the enemy comes to steal and kill and destroy. But I've come, Jesus says, that I may give you life, abundant life. You know, you only get one. It's a hard life spent just avoiding things that you think are bad for you instead of enjoying what God has said yes to. Enjoy the permissions. Here's the third and final key I want to give you. When you've got a word from the Lord and you don't want there to be tension between your will and God's will, you protect the word, you enjoy the permissions that God is saying yes to. And here's number three, you have to embrace the process. Embrace the process. It's going to take time to let this word play out with you, but you're... If you follow the process, if you embrace it and you recognize that this is going to take time, you won't won't become frustrated when it doesn't happen overnight. Sometimes God speaks and immediately things begin to change. There's a breakthrough. There's instant miraculous things. And other times it's a process. But above all that, God wants intimacy with you. He wants this to be the beginning of you hearing his voice and valuing what he's saying and walking according to the obedience of his word. He wants... A deeper relationship with you. My prayer is that you would be closer to God than you have ever been this year, that you would allow that intimacy to develop. It's a process, it takes time. We say it this way maturity in Christ takes time and discipline, and there's no substitute. I don't know at what age that that there's a switch that happens inside of each of us, but at some point in in our lives, there's a change between how we behaved when we were younger, when we wanted everything to hurry up and get here, like, oh, I can't wait till I can move out on my own, and I can't wait till Christmas comes, I can't wait till spring break, I can't wait till summer, I can't wait to have a girlfriend, I can't wait to have a boyfriend, I can't wait to drive, then there's a change in your life where you're like, slow down, slow down, enjoy the moment, life gets going fast. As my wife and I are in the season of, of, of becoming empty nesters, we're like, enjoy the time. Enjoy it. Time needs to slow down. Why? Because our relationships and our people, we want to enjoy these moments. Life goes fast. Your relationship with God is built for the long haul. He wants intimacy, relationship with you. Understand this, that the things that God has for you, the many blessings, some are going to come, but all of them will come with time. The Time. And discipline. Let me say it this way. Instant intimacy is not a thing. And by the way, that works on several different levels. Instant intimacy, that's a myth. Intimacy takes time. It's developed over a process of hearing and growing and learning and obeying. Intimacy is what the Lord God is looking for. And you're going to have to... Learn how to do your part The Bible is, is very clear Jesus says my sheep hear my voice God is speaking But our lives get loud And we look at the things that, that are, are Right and wrong and good and bad And exciting and boring and we stop forgetting We start to forget the things that God has spoken We get clouded with all kinds of other voices They pull us away From what God has for us And they create tension between us And the Lord I remember when I had Just gotten saved and the Lord began to do some amazing things in my life. I turned my life back over to the Lord and God began to just order my steps. And as I was just praying and being obedient, God would open up another door and I'd walk through it and something would be greater than the season I just left. And God began to just expertly navigate my life through a lot of twists and turns and things that would have tripped other people up. I recognized that, wait, God is speaking. I'd I'd rather listen to him. I'm not going to do what's smart. I want to do what he says. What he says is smarter than... Smart. It works. It brings me help. And I got a phone call to, be, to, to go on the road with a Christian artist, and I began to immerse myself in, in, in Christian music and, and the worship culture and, and, and bands that were touring and this, this whole genre of people that I had lifted up as, as idols. Like, these are great. Then I realized as I got on the road and spent time with all these artists and these, these great people that had huge reputations and massive followings, they're human and some of them, like anybody else, like there's good, and bad, and ugly, some of those were vile and wicked. I remember being on, on my tour bus, there's, and we're on the road with, with several different artists and thinking, I don't want to be with any of you guys, because there's just a couple of you that are the real deal, and the rest of you guys, like, it's road life, and let me just tell you, road life as a musician, the rules are off. The things that happen on the road and the tour bus and these stops in different cities are vile and wicked. Wicked. And I remember having my first exposure to all that stuff, and I'm thinking, you guys are Christians. This is how we behave. Like, that looks like the life I came out of. That doesn't look like the life I'm pursuing. That doesn't, that doesn't, that, I can't. I remember going on my tour bus and getting inside of my bunk and pulling the curtain so it's just me and having to put my headphones on because these guys are watching pornography and they're having affairs and they're doing drugs and having, there's abortions and all these kind of crazy things that are happening in the Christian music industry. Now, some of them are amazing people and some of them have got forgiveness and others, I'm like, you're still stuck there and I don't want anything to do with you. Why? Because I've been there and I know where it goes. And I recognize the Lord has called me out of that stuff. And I want to be obedient to what he says versus just being cool and accepting to you. I don't care what you think of me. I can't be a part of that. I know where it goes. I know where it leads. That doesn't make you better, it doesn't make you happy. It creates tension between you and the Lord. And I've lived in the tension. And I've recognized that his ways are better than my ways. I remember closing that curtain and putting on my headphones and listening to worship, opening up my word and saying, okay, God, you know, I, I don't know a ton about you. I haven't developed a great relationship yet, but I know this, I don't want that. And surely what you have for me is better. And you know, in those moments of just me by myself, not doing the things that other people were doing, I developed an incredible intimacy with the Lord. I learned to hear His still small voice in the middle of a vile and wicked place. I learned how to recognize and surround myself with people in that music industry that were good people. They were the good ones, that were the real deal, that spent time on their face before the Lord, that wanted to be obedient. And I'm like, that's the kind of people I want to hang out with. That's the kind of people I want to be with, because it's, it's a hard life to live disobedient to the word of God. Now, I'm no fool. I recognize that many of you, man, when you, when you leave church, this is as close to God as you're going to get. Let me just tell you, it doesn't have to be that way. You carry the presence of God, and if you're obedient to the word that God has given you, no matter what may be happening around you, you can absolutely develop intimacy and spiritual maturity in the most wicked of places. By the way, that's the story of the church. We've always done that. You persecute us, knock us down, burn us at the stake, wickedness prevails, and God's people just get stronger and stronger. Why? Because we have spiritual maturity and I believe that what God has for you this year is to get closer to him than you've ever been. And I'll say this, I've said it before and I'll, I'll say it again, I'll close out with this. You are as close to God as you choose to be. I'm gonna push you this year. I'm gonna challenge you. I'm gonna beg you. I'll scream at you. I'll get you to laugh at whatever it takes, whatever it takes to get you to take personal responsibility for your spiritual maturity. I want you to be closer to God than you have ever been in your life. I want you to hear from him and know that God is speaking to you and has a better plan for you than the decisions that you're making. There's something more. It's better and it's good. You have a good father that you can trust, that you can hear from, that he will give you the insight and the wisdom that you need. He will help you to navigate through the circumstances of your life. He wants to. He wants intimacy with you. That's not gonna come through me. It's gonna come from you plugging into him and I'm here to challenge you to do it. Can you receive that? As we finish up today, I wanna invite you to bow your head and close your eyes and put away your phones and your notes for just the next two minutes. You know, Monday's gonna start and the new week kicks off and you've got so many things on your schedule and plate and there's noise waiting for you on the other side of this moment. But for right now, I want you to have a moment of honesty and transparency mode of just being still before the Lord. And I want to invite you, I want to challenge you to pray a simple prayer. The prayer is this, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? What do you want me to do? Father, we, your people, come into your presence today knowing that when we leave this place, we have a decision to make to not just hear your word, but to walk it out, to build our lives around your word. Father, we value your voice. We hear you leading us. We hear you speaking. We will obey. We will obey. We don't have to understand, we have to obey. Now, to sense from the Holy Spirit this morning that for some of us here, maybe some of that are watching, Holy Spirit's telling you it's forgiveness, to let it go, to forgive. I want to encourage you to do that today. Forgiveness doesn't mean I forget, doesn't mean it didn't happen, but it gives the enemy no place to go and allows the Lord permission to step in because you keep your heart right. Forgive. Father, today we hear your voice and we will do what you ask us to do, believing that what you have is better than what we want. In Jesus' name. Now, perhaps you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, if I'm going to be honest with you, I don't have a relationship with the Lord. You may have been raised in church or you may have never been to church before, maybe watching this for the first time, but if you need a relationship with the Lord, if that seems like something that you're ready for, then my friend, you're in the right place. And I want to help you like somebody helped me one time to develop a relationship with the Lord, to take the first step. That first step starts with a prayer. You may not know what to pray. I'm I'm going to help you. I'll tell you what to say. Just repeat this prayer with me. It'll get you started. The prayer goes like this. Just say, Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe that you came and died. I believe that you rose from the grave so that I could have life and forgiveness for my sins. I ask you to come into my heart and forgive me. Be my boss. Take over. I give my life to you right now. In Jesus' name, and now with heads bowed and eyes closed, my friend, if you prayed that prayer with me, I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. It's not what I want. But if you prayed that prayer, would you just be so kind as to just look up at me and lift up your hands? That was me, Pastor. I, I did. I prayed that prayer with you. Good. Perhaps you're watching online and you're saying, "I did. I prayed that prayer." Would you do me a favor? It would mean so much to me if you would text the number that's on your screen. The number is eight four four HRC text. If you'll text the words, I prayed, then I'm going to send you some links to some things that I've prepared just for you, things that will help you understand what happened in your heart and what to do next. You see, this isn't the end of your relationship with Jesus. This is the beginning, and it would be my greatest honor to help you keep taking some steps towards the Lord. It's good for you. I want to help you. I'm proud of you. Well, High Ridge family, go ahead and look up at me and then stand to your feet if you would. It's been such an honor bringing God's word to you here today and I pray that you were as blessed and encouraged about it as I was. Um, I wanna give you a couple things to think about as as we go. Um, Groups are happening and I would love to see you get involved into a group. I believe growth happens in groups. Would you say that with me? Growth happens in groups. We wanna see you there. People are gonna grow. We want you to be a part of it. Also, I have our elders and their wives stepping forward and these guys are gonna be available to pray for you about anything that you might need prayer for. Look at me. I believe one of the greatest lies the enemies tells believers is that if you get prayer from somebody in front of the church, that people are gonna think there's something wrong. The lie is we're not gonna think something's wrong. We know something's wrong because we're people too and we needed it. Raise your hand if you ever needed prayer. Come on, somebody. Us Pentecostals got both our hands up. We know it. We need it. We want you to get some help and we would love to pray for you. So these guys will be here as the service finishes to pray for you. If you're watching online, you need prayer, we would love to pray for you too. Let us know. How can we pray for you? We would love nothing more than to do that. Make sure you click the comment section and tell us that. If you like what you heard, click the, uh, the share button. We'd love for you to share that with your friends. It's a big deal. People need to hear this message about how to handle the word of God. It's a good thing. For everybody else, let me bless you and send you out. Father, would you bless my friends with an incredible week following after you all week long. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you as you go. I hope you have an amazing week.
0: Go Cowboys! Thank you so much for listening in today. Our prayers is that you are encouraged and strengthened by the message. If you haven't done so yet, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review wherever you're listening. If you want to be a part of our online community, connect with us through Facebook or Instagram with the handle at HighRidgeLV, or you can check out our website at HighRidgeLV.com. Lastly, if this ministry has impacted your life and you'd like to support its work, visit highridgelv.com give. We appreciate your support and we're believing with you today for God's best in your life. Have an incredible week and we will see you next time.